0: Welcome to The Strike, the first and only podcast dedicated to the face-off position. I'm your host, Greg Gerenlian, and I'm excited to bring you knowledge, insight, and predictions about the PLL face-offs on a weekly basis. The next seven episodes will be talking to the PLL's face-off stars, breaking down their game, and getting their thoughts leading into the championship series. Today's episode features Trevor Baptiste of the Atlas Lacrosse Club. Trevor is widely known as the best face-off athlete in the PLL and saw action in 11 games for the Atlas last season. Trevor led the league in regular season with 165 faceoff wins, 75 ground balls, and a 63.7% at the faceoff strike. The running theme on the Stripe podcast is that we will be using what we refer to as next level stats to shape the narrative and truly show you how unique each faceoff athlete's game is. Historically, only two faceoff stats were really taken ground balls and faceoff percentage. We wanted to take a more analytical approach, so the PLL team was built more advanced stats, i.e., clamp percentage which is how often a player gains control or redirects the ball off the initial whistle, wing ground balls, scoring percentage after a win or a loss, etc. We truly believe that this approach will revolutionize not only how games are viewed and understood, but also help folks at home appreciate the position and all the different athletic skills required to be a world-class PLL face-off athlete. I am super pumped to kick episode one off with a good friend, colleague, and teammate, I've had the honor of coaching Trevor, watching him develop into the world beater that he is now, and I even got to experience winning a gold medal as his teammate in Israel in 2018. Trevor, welcome to the first episode of The
1: Strike. Let's go, you boys in here, let's go. <laughs> Man, dude, I appreciate that intro, you really got me pumped, even more pumped up than I already am, you know, originally when you, when you called me about this, talking about you know, the fact that we're going to sit on a podcast and talk about faceoffs is amazing. But the fact that there is a face-off specific podcast, you know, because I think it, it that that's what really needs to happen. I think people need to bring light to this position because I feel like a lot of people look at it and they say, oh, I don't really know what's going on. Just go out and get the ball. Um, and I think that's a big reason why we're really misunderstood and people keep changing the rules and people keep Messing around with it because they don't really know much about it. So, so I'm happy that we have this platform to do that.
0: Yeah, man. And I, I, obviously, I'm honored to have you on here. I'm super jacked up about what this can do for the faceoff position. I'm sure kids at home that we all coach, uh, kids we've never even met before, are, are excited about this. Hopefully, and, and we're going to try to deliver our best. Um, you know, real quick, just so people understand, Trevor's dominance last year. He was nine percent higher than every other faceoff guy in the PLL last year. And we talked about it during episode zero, during the primer, about how every other starter in the league was within about 3%. Uh, and then, you know, you look at his clamp percentage, second in the league at 65.7%. What was really impressive is his face-off wins when he didn't win a clamp, and we'll get into that later. But obviously the thing that jumps out the most is you had 26 opponent violations last year. You're the only guy that was in the 20s. And what I always tell people is that talks to your dominance because guys jump a lot when they feel like they don't have a chance. And obviously you have a guy who was striking fear in his opponent's hearts last year, led the league with 26 opponent violations. So what I want to do now in this first portion, and we're going to do this in all the episodes when I have face-off athlete on, is I'm going to read you some of these next level stats and I want to get your reaction to each one. So first I'm going to start with your uh, season stats in general. So during the season, we have you at sixty-two point nine percent faceoff wise. Clamp percentage was sixty-six percent, so you won the clamp two-thirds of the time against you know your opponents. Now versus starters is where we really like to focus, and you were the only guy that was flirting with the sixty percent mark against all other starters in the PLL. So standard starting faceoff guys, you were at fifty-nine point five percent, and your clamp percentage was at fifty-eight percent. So. That was like right off the bat. You know, did you realize? Did you feel like you were winning two thirds of your clamps last year?
1: Nah, I'll tell you the truth, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Dude, not at all. That this is this is phenomenal. The, the fact that, that we have these these stats like this, but um, you know, I, I feel like I've always been a person that that I never really looked too much into um, the stats. But the only stats I had were win or loss, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. ground ball or no ground ball, you know? So I wouldn't look too much into those, but like these are next level. Like this could really project uh, your, your game plan going into a game. Uh, but to answer your question, no, I, I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that at all.
0: Well, you you know, there's guys who are coming back this year. You're the only guy who's really comparable between your face-off win percentage And your clamp percentage. And what I mean by that is there are guys who jump off the page, like there's some guys who have an insane clamp percentage, but their face off percentage is like more than 20% lower than that, or vice versa, right? There's some guys who they don't really win the clamp that often, but they're just, they're just dogged and athletic and they chase it down and they end up working with their wings and they get face off wins. Um, so what, what that says to me when your clamp percentage is relatively comparable to your faceoff percentage is control. You have the ability to control the face-off once you have the ball, and you also have the ability to win them back when you don't win the clamp. So, you know, that's what kind of, that's just so people at home understand why that's important. And you're right from a recruiting standpoint, if we ever went to next level statistics, coaches would love this kind of analytics, right? To be able to tell what kind of athlete that you're bringing on, um, so, what I want to go over next, real quick, you have your Championship Series matchups. Okay, the Archers, Redwoods, Water Dogs, and Whip Snakes. That's what's been announced for the Atlas. And when we look at your face-off matchups going into this season against those teams, so you have the Archers sixty-seven percent, uh, Redwoods sixty-three percent, Water Dogs. Now we're going by the guys who are suiting up this year. Okay, so against uh, the guys who are going to be suiting up for the Archers, sixty-seven, Redwoods sixty-three. Um, and, and the Redwoods are a little misleading because I mean that's mostly LSMs because neither of the guys that they're dressing have played in the PLL before, right. so that's going to be interesting for you. Uh, and then the Water Dogs, the faceoff uh, they have Simino, uh as their faceoff guy. You were seventy three percent against him when he played for the Chrome last year. And then you have the Whip Snakes, and you were you won two thirds of your faceoffs. You were very dominant against Whip Snakes last season at sixty six percent. So when you look at those matchups right now, off the top of your head. A, does any of that jump out at you as a surprise? And B, you know, when you saw your matchups, did any of this click? Did you remember your dominance against any of these teams? Or is there anything else that we haven't thought of that you were thinking of?
1: Um, I mean, tell the truth, I I didn't think I did that well, to be honest. I didn't think I did. I'm here these numbers. I'm like, oh, wow. Wow." (laughs) I'm in a pretty good spot right now. I'm in a good spot. But um, no, I I think, um, I guess some things that, that uh, that I think about going into those games is, and it, and it is a little bit of that that next level stats like you talked about is kind of like for each individual player, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So, for example, let's say the whip snakes in in Joe, you know, like he's really good at battling for the ball after he loses the face off. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of so that's so what I'm going to that game. I'm thinking about that more so than you know, my first initial move, although I'm still putting a lot of focus on that, but I know that it's not gonna be over, you know, compared to a game against, you know, the chaos where TK is he's gonna be really fast off the whistle, but maybe I can seal it back, you know? Um, so I just try to look at those little things, uh, to maybe gain an edge. But uh I I think you really hit in terms of my general thinking in the head is is the Redwoods and the water dogs. That that's those are the biggest things in my mind. So the one, you know, Robert was the top faceoff guy in you, you know, and now they're bringing in two guys that haven't played. So, you know, it's going to be something new. I don't really know what I'm getting into there. Uh, and then same with the Water Dogs, you know, just picking up Jake Withers. Like, I've, I've faced off against him a ton, but, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big two-headed monster, Jake and Drew Simino. So uh, yeah. those are some things that I'm thinking about going into this championship series.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think people who don't understand at home, they might say, Oh, two new guys. Like, you know, Trevor's going to run over those guys. You don't understand film is everything. And if you have no experience against a guy, or if you haven't seen a guy on film, like if you haven't been able to see him in a PLL game, you have no idea what he can bring to the table. Right? Like last year we're all jumping in the PLL season and I didn't even know how I was going to do with the rules. I didn't know how you were going to do with the rules. I didn't know what was going to be, you know, different. So, like, when when they talk about college guys coming in and they say, oh, well, this guy's this percentage and he was an All-American and he's going to crush it next year. He's like, dude, you these are way different rules, man. Um, you right. know, so it's a whole different – I mean, the wing play, the guys are closer. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, now we're going to look real quick. Your best game last season, week five versus the Archers at 80%. 20 for 25 worst game of the season week 11 versus the Chrome 13 for 24 at 54%. So your worst game was better than about half more than half the face-off guys in the league, uh, their total face-off percentage. Um, So first I want to get your opinion on the archers because I don't think the Stephen Kelly, the bones Kelly that you faced off against Uh, later in the season was definitely not the Bones Kelly that was facing off earlier in the season for the Archers. So I would like to get your opinion on Bones Kelly's development and what you're going to be looking to counter uh, through the, from last
1: season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you hit it with, you know, he developed a lot over, over the season. Um, And I think he, he needed to find, I don't want to speak for him obviously, but it seemed to me like he needed to find his rhythm a little bit and find like what worked for him, uh, mm-hmm. under these new PLO rule sets, you know, because the balls higher up in our sticks. Uh, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't really use his speed on the clamp to body anybody off the ball, you know, because right. a lot of guys had a couple extra pounds on him. So he threw in a, a rake move, which would ended up being really successful for him. And I think that's what helped him down the stretch. Um, but early on, you know, I think he was just used to the college faceoffs where the ball's more in the center and he could compete, even maybe being a little bit lighter uh, by just getting that ball out with a clamp. Um, and I think guys took advantage of that.
0: Right. Yeah. I experienced that with Bones too. And, and we'll, we'll be doing a, a whole show dedicated to Bones and Fowler. Uh, but Bones developed, I mean, in fact, he went about 80% in, his, in the final game of the season. Um, Bones really developed well, and I think that's why, you know, the Archers were like, we're good at faceoffs for next year. And they, they obviously picked up a Met and some other key pieces. Your, um, your best matchups from last year, we just talked about Bones, but uh, Drew simino you were 73% against him. Uh, Nardella, you were 67% against him. Those two guys, obviously, I think, like you said, we were all kind of finding our way last year and we all started to develop a little bit more. Um, but I think the, the the matchup that we're all kind of interested in your your response to was you're, you had a great matchup against Connor Farrell last year. In three games, you went 52% against him. Um, but in three games, your clamp percentage was 41%. So... You know, some people are going to look at that and go, you know, I don't really know what to make of that stat. What I make of that stat, and you and I have talked about it before, is your ability to get to your feet even if you lose a clamp. So when you look at a, an overall faceoff percentage that is as high as yours, what jumps out at me is this guy finishes faceoff wins when he wins the clamp. And even when he doesn't, he's able to steal it back. And that's what makes you the monster that you are. So in your first matchup against Connor, you went 64%. That's when he was still sharing reps with Simono as his teammate. Week nine, he was the, the full-on starter, and you went 50% with him. Um, and then week 11, you were uh, 10 for 21 against him specifically at 48%. So throughout the season, uh, he started to do perform a little bit better. Do you attribute that? What do you attribute that to? Him starting to understand you a little bit more? Um, or maybe with getting a little bit more continuity with his wings as the season went on. But how do you look at his development throughout the season? How do you look at your development in those head-to-head matchups and how you're going to try to build in order to counter what he was doing?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think a couple things. So I think he's progressed a ton as a player. And I think, uh, you know, once again, don't want to speak for anyone, but I think it, if from my outside perspective, it came from a couple of things. One is confidence. You know, I think he came into this league playing Division Two ball, and I think he maybe felt like he couldn't make it, or he was surprised if he could have made it. Um, and that was early. And then towards the end of the season, he was like, "Wow, like I can be, I can be a starter." Um, so I think that confidence really propelled his game. I also think him taking not splitting time with anyone also really helped him out a ton as well um so once he was kind of taking most of the face-offs i think you could get more in a rhythm because um, i'm the same way you know like if if i'm in a game and you know like i'm feeling hot then i have to like sit or even if it's like you're feeling hot and there's not a lot of face-offs and then you take a face off a quarter later you know it's like you yeah. kind of lose that momentum so i think that helped him out a ton as well um and then lastly i think kind of looking at that, the clamp percentage, and I'm I'm happy that you brought up those numbers. So, like, going against um, Carter Failure, you know, going into that matchup and someone that you played three times in in one season, you know, I feel like when you play anyone three times in a season, everyone's so good in this league, it's going to start to get close. You know, (laughs) you're not just going to – yeah, you're not just going to just beat somebody up three times in – Five weeks, you know, like they're gonna, like you're, you're, you're gonna lose your edge in some way. Um, so I think that was part of it, but I also think, like, me going into that game, I think there was a lot of faceoffs that I was looking at is, you know, maybe I will lose this faceoff, but let me get the ball back. And that's yeah. a stat that doesn't, that will never show up as a faceoff win, you know, but whether that is, you know, they, Connor wins a face-off, their team wins a face-off, just forcing a turnover, forcing a strip, getting that ball back. So I was looking at more areas like that um, because I knew that's where I could gain an edge, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, we've had we have stat pools, we have film, and we'll be, we'll be providing those next level stats throughout the the championship series of, you know, how many times did a team score after their first possession? How many times did a team uh, was able to stall a team from scoring after that possession, whether that means you wrote it yourself as a faceoff guy or you wrote it at the midline, and then you guys got the ball back. And you're right. That usually isn't a stat, per, you know, a percentage that you're going to see. PLL is going to be providing that moving forward, and it's going to jump out at people for sure. Here is a stat that I really, was, I really wanted us to, to point out. Because I don't think he gets nearly enough credit because um, he was injured and he was sharing times with Bones Kelly last year. But our boy, Brendan Fowler, um, when he was healthy, uh, he went against you uh, in one of the games and he was eight for 17 against you particularly. What about Fowler's game? Because I want to hear it from your own words. What about Fowler's game is tough to play against sometimes?
1: Yeah, you know. Love – obviously, you and me both love Fowler. So <laughs> I yeah. love the guy. We love but, you know, sure. Yeah, you know, just – especially when, when Fowler is um, pairing up with someone, I think it makes him even more lethal because yeah. he kind of just is – and you know, like him as a person, he's just like very like – like his mind's just all over the place sometimes. I shouldn't say it like that, yeah. but he – He's just constantly – he has no stop, right? He has no slow down button. So, you, you know, say,
0: one you thing – Brendan Fowler is nuts.
1: Right, right. It's <laughs> like if one thing doesn't work, he's not going to just sit and try to keep doing the same thing every time that you're used to going against. He's like, oh, like lost that one. OK, I'm going to stand up on this one. OK, I'm going to go stand up. OK, OK, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> you know, Damn. he keeps chasing everything. And then he might find success in in one thing and then he's really good at doing it again and again and again uh, rather than, you know, a lot of faceoff guys just kind of have one or two moves that they're really good at and then that's all they can throw. So I would say, you know, Fowler – that's what makes Fowler so tough and I think – I'm pretty sure in that game he wouldn't stand up against me. You know, he wouldn't stand up against me and I I wasn't ready for it, you know, that he had success.
0: Yeah, I think, especially like you said, when he's paired up, people forget. I mean, Brendan Fowler is the reason people face off motorcycle grip on a day. Like, Brendan Fowler showed up, won Duke two national championships, and was dominant. And everyone was like, I need to do what he's doing. And then he went into the professional lacrosse ranks. He had a little trouble his rookie year. And then that's when I met him for the first time, and we spoke. And he had no problem just completely reinventing his stance. Now, so you have a guy who was a two-time national champion, two-time championship MVP, All-American, record breaker, and was like, maybe I need to tweak things so I can continue to be better. And that's what makes him special. So he did that. He can face off standing, uh, SNG. He can face off on a knee. And like you said, you know, he makes you, him and Bones both make you think as you're going up to the face-off, yeah, first I got to beat, I got to win the clamp against two of the best face-off guys in the world. But then once I do it, I better be, incredibly on point on my exit, or they're going to eat me up. And I I, I liken the fact when you have these guys like a two running back system where Bones Kelly is the factor back or, you know, he's the speed back around the edge. Brendan Fowler is that A-gap rusher that just punishes you over the game. And in the fourth quarter, you're like, your legs are just exhausted. And if you pop the ball out, he's going to battle you and win it back. Or he's going to, you know, he'll get you early, like going forward, blow you up a couple times too and make you pay for it because he's a great lacrosse player. So, right. yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole nother level.
1: No question, man. I think that's 100% correct, you know. So
0: let's go a little bit further. Um, you know, we touched on this and we'll talk about, more. you know, as we go forward. I've said it before. Um, Tommy Kelly, in my opinion, fastest hands in the country, face wise inexplicable. And he, uh, last year, your worst clamp percentage matchup. And I'm, you know, I'm guaranteeing mine was as well against TK. Uh, you only won 29% of the clamps. However, you were 55% on your face-off wins in that, in those matchups. So let's talk about what people never talk about with you. I don't think it's enough credit is your ability to get to your feet on exits and counter people and read them. So when you went against TK, in your PLL matchups, the first time and the second time. Let's talk about those two times. What were you thinking before the first game, and what were you thinking before the second game?
1: Ooh, let me – okay, I got to think about this deep. So, you know, I think every time going going up against TK, you're exactly right. He's got – his hands are so fast, you know. So, and, yeah. and and not only are they fast, you know, like if he gets, you know, 70 to 80% of the ball right off that whistle, you're not going to get – most of the time you're not going to get it back, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm kind of thinking going in is not to get fast broken. You know, he's got, he's going to get down the ball fast, can't get fast broken. So I got to be quick to get up to my feet and to stop him. And I think in that matchup that just sets me up really well to battle for that ground ball. And then I'm going to communicate with my wings just say, you know, lock everyone off uh let's make it really tough when this ball comes out that we can scrape some back uh because you know you're right I'm not gonna I'm not gonna win as many clamps and uh that was kind of what I was thinking of the first game in the second game I think I I think I won some more clamps you know I mean you you got the stats but I kind of think I was I was yeah. getting mm-hmm. on the clamp a little bit more so I was so I think once that happened I was really feeling myself so then in, I was like, okay, if I lose the clamp, I'm still in a great position and now I can compete a little bit more. Cause I, I think my hands were just on that day. Um, yeah, so that's what those are the two differences between the two games.
0: Yeah. And I give TK a lot of credit because in one of the landmark times in lacrosse when you were getting interviewed, as you popped it forward on him and scored and you got that <laughs> speed boy quote, yo, he was a good yeah, score. No. A lot of people would have been like, yo, I I don't want to talk to anybody for a while. But he was he was all good. Walked right up there and went for the next one. So when it comes to the wing play portion of this, you know, you had great wings last year. And when we look at the ground balls off of the faceoffs, Noah Richard led all with 13, but he's now a water dog. Ryan Conrad had seven. He's now a water dog. So what that leaves is your two shorties and Kevin Understein had 12 ground balls, but he also off of the faceoff had nine shots and three points created off of faceoffs for you. Hartzell also had nine shots and he had four points created off of you. So you have two guys that equal seven points directly off of faceoffs last year, 18 scoring opportunities off of their shots. When you look at that, first off, there you go. Look at those stats. Secondly, tell us a little bit about, you know, your rapport with KU and Hartsey. And then we'll also talk about who your shorties are going to be moving for this year and how you're going to prepare them to work with you during the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, start out with our relationship with Hearts and uh, KU, obviously, you know, all four of us have played together on USA. Mm-hmm. So I got to know them uh, well in, in that experience. And, you know, they're, they're just my boys, man. They're they're just my boys. And I think that what's most important uh, with our relationship on the field and off the field is, is there's a lot of trust, you know. So, uh, like, if they tell me something like, I don't know. Maybe like Mike, you got like a Mike Earhart on the wing, and you know he's just went down and scored a two bomb. Like Kyle's gonna say, "Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go pole on pole, and I'm gonna drop back." And you know, in, in my perspective, I could be like, you know, it would be better for me in this situation if you're up here. But let's make let's let's work out a way that we can make this work for both of us. You know, and I think we're really good at at finding that trust. Um, or, you know, if, if I'm telling KU like, Hey, just, just, uh, jet back behind me, you know, he's just like, yeah, I, like I trust you, you know, rather than worrying about where the other wing yeah. guy is. And yeah. usually we, we usually end up on the, on the winning side of things. And, uh, and the fact that they love transition, you know, that, they, that, they're so fast, so athletic, so yeah. fit, they can get that ball up and out so yeah. quickly. And, and so
0: people like, understand it's a huge crazy. deal that Kevin Understein trusts Trevor because Kevin Understein played with me for about eight years and never trusted me, so that's a huge deal. Um, and then also, if you didn't know, Hartzell's really fit.
1: I think he's the fittest guy
0: in the league. Yeah, he might be. Love that. <laughs> okay, so I mean that's that's awesome. Now, when you guys when you have an LSM, you know, talk about the LSMs joining you uh, this year. Who do you who would, you do you want to see on the wing? Um, and then what would you tell them? coming in to replace a Noah Richard? Like, what would you say as far as, this is what I'd like you to do when we go out
1: there? Right, yeah. Yeah, so Noah Richard was obviously huge for us. And I think uh, kind of an unsung hero in a lot of ways, you know, no. without without these stats that you're seeing and, and all that. Like people might not have noticed how good he was off the ground and how good he was in transition and how good he was at defense. You know, like, I was like... Right. I was like, hopefully the water dogs don't figure that out, but they did. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I think I think obviously will still still here, and, and he's going to be huge for us on the wings. Um, but I also think Cade Ben Rappahorts coming up. You know, he's someone who did it in college, someone who yeah. could also push transition. Um, an amazing defenseman. I think uh, he's going to be really big on the wings as well. I think we just got to get a little bit more chemistry kate and i just uh taking more face off from training camp um yeah. and i think we're, we're going to be in a good spot
0: yeah and and I, I agree noah you know water dogs picking up noah but also picking up bk brian yeah K. yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: bk was enormous for me on the redwoods last year and with those two you know uh, you know swap swapping runs the water dogs are in a good spot There is two questions though I want to ask you. The first is your thoughts on how the faceoff rules for the PLL went last season compared to what you've played with before.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I can't emphasize enough how amazing the PLL faceoff rules were. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, like we've talked about it a ton. I I think not only did they take our consideration, which I think was a huge point in why the rules are so successful is they attacked the, the issues that everyone says there are with the face offs, you know, and that is the speed of it. So like getting, getting the face off off. So like blowing the whistle, saying down set whistle quickly. And with the lines on the field where we can put our heads on, It just speeds everything up. So the ref's not saying, all right, you move a little bit to your left. You move a little bit to your right. All that. All that's taken out, you know, and that's – that saves so much time right there. And that's time that – it isn't people battling for the ball. It's just time of two people just sitting there or kneeling. Um, And then on top of that, putting the ball higher up in our sticks also prevented a lot of lockups as well because, you know, me personally – I enjoy lockups. I enjoy watching lockups, but I'm also a face-on guy, so I'm biased. You know, if the majority of people don't like that, I get it. You know, so I think that putting the ball higher up in our sticks really still gave us that opportunity to uh, be creative and to use that power and strength and that head-to-head battle and grinding for the ball. But it wasn't egregiously long, you know, which 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 I think was perfect.
0: Yeah, and I think the only times really we got into any lockups is if guys had their hands on the plastic, which, based on what I've been told, is going to be a huge point of emphasis this year. Right. So it'll keep it'll keep guys maybe a two- or three-second lockup, but it won't be egregious, like you said. Just so people know, the lines that uh, – the stripe, essentially, the stripes that Trevor's talking about, that's our logo, and that's what the face-off stripes look like in the PLL. The d- designed – and those yellow perpendicular lines coming off the midline, the referees both have their feet on it, So when they say down, all we had to do was line the top of our head right up against their foot and we were ready to roll. And the ball was already down in the same spot every time. So, you know, once again, NCAA, you're welcome. It's right there.
1: Right.
0: So what I want to do, uh, I have one more question because obviously with COVID and everything we're dealing with, the PLL was way out in front of other pro leagues and you know we're going to be in Salt Lake City this championship series format. It's going to be on NBC. It's going to be during the Olympic timeframe and it's going to be international. People are going to be able to watch in every other, you know, in all these other countries. What are your thoughts on the format? And, you know, have you done anything that's prepared you for it? And how are you preparing for yourself, like physically for it?
1: Right. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I think everybody is thinking about. Um, And like, when you say, when you say the format, you know, there's a lot of games in a short period of time. Uh, so a couple of things that I'm doing is you know I, I think you really alluded to it but the PLL got was so far ahead you know so I knew like everyone kind of knew we were going to be playing uh, this summer in some facet uh, so I think obviously with COVID it, it's such a sad situation and it's so unfortunate that all the crosses ended for everyone, but for me, I, I think looking at the positive of the negative was I got a little bit of a break, and I need, and I think that's what I needed because um, I was just had a lot of wear and tear on me. I never really had an off season since like 2018, you know. So I was pretty beat up. Uh, so having that, you know, few weeks off, um, or really it was a couple months, but to, to not play and just focus on mobility, strength and things like that. I think that has made me feel so much better physically and like mentally. And I, I feel ready to go, you know, and we're still on now.
0: And that's what I'm telling people. Like when I work with my FOA guys, you know they're asking like how you know season's good how this championship series gonna go I'm like you have no idea you guys haven't seen fresh Trevor <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I've played so much lacrosse man and, and, and don't get me wrong I'm not complaining I like, guess a sweet 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 position to be in but yeah but it's realistic yeah you know, you're a human exactly you know so so I'm so I'm happy you know and I feel good you know like I'm feel all greased up
0: So I want to finish off today because this has been awesome. I want to finish off today with a lightning round.
1: And basically, like,
0: yeah, the lightning round. I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to say the name of a face-off athlete that you're going to go against. Okay? And I want you to give me the first word that comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs>
1: Ready? Okay. All right. Okay. Pressure's off.
0: All right. Here we go. Connor Farrell. Strong, TK, fast hands, Joe Nardella, athletic, Bones Kelly and Brendan Fowler,
1: <laughs> rake, <laughs> rake. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Drew Simino and Jake Withers. Ooh. First word.
1: Can I give you one for each one? Okay, that's fair. They're pretty Cimino. different. They're, they're so different. Okay, um, Drew so i say Drew Simono, I would say uh, hard rotation. I know that's two words. That's, yeah. okay, that's a good one. Rotate okay, really hard. Um, and for Jake, I would say just absolute – what's the word I'm looking for? Just scrapper. Scrappy. Scrapper. Scrappy. He's <laughs> a scrapper. He's a scrapper, man. All right.
0: Last one. Peyton Smith.
1: Paid Smith, New.
0: (laughs) New. All right, Peyton. There you go. You got Bill. Young (laughs) Bull. Well, Trevor, I want to thank you a ton, man. This means a lot to me, not only because of what this show entails, but also because you're my boy, and I'm excited to have done this with you. Do you have anything to say uh, before we wrap up here?
1: No, man, I, I would just say I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, dude. This is this is unbelievable. You know, obviously, getting to kick back, getting to kick back, get recorded of us talking about face offs and be put on the PLL channel. I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> be better than that. what's better than that? So, no, I appreciate Absolutely. you having me on, man. This is great. Absolutely.
0: Well, that's going to do it for our first episode of The Stripe. Thank you for tuning in and special thanks again to Trevor for joining me here today. We'll be back next week with an all new episode talking to Chrome face off man, Connor Farrell. Don't miss it. Be sure to subscribe to the stripe on Apple podcasts and Spotify, and please give us five-star ratings and reviews. All feedback is appreciated. Want to keep this thing going. Please leave your comments as questions. uh, When you do that feedback, that way we can ask those questions from lucky listeners. And once again, I'm your host, Greg Renly, you can follow me at Greg 32 on Twitter and Instagram. Can't wait to meet you next week at the strike.